0: If you would grab your Bibles and turn to John chapter eighteen, uh, we are picking up in the last week of a series where we've been talking about what it looks like to be uh, to be faithful to Jesus and to to grow in our faith during Uh, turbulent times, during times such as a global pandemic that continues, how how do we keep pursuing Jesus in the midst of the uncertainty and the disruption? And so this morning, we're going to look at the story of one of Jesus' earliest followers, a man named Peter, and how his story of sort of disruption and uncertainty led to him discovering what Jesus had for his life. And so we're in John chapter 18. We're going to look at a few different glimpses into Peter's story, um, verse eight, John 18, verse 25. It says, meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So he's standing around a fire and they asked him, you aren't one of his, one of Jesus' disciples, are you? He denied it saying, I am not. Let's pause right there. So I'll give you a little bit of the backstory here. So just hours earlier, Jesus had told Peter, you're going to deny me. And Peter said, no, Jesus, that doesn't sound like me. And then this is what happens. And not only does he deny knowing Jesus, he denies knowing Jesus three times. Jesus had given Peter a nickname. His name was Simon. You'll see it written Simon, Simon, Peter, Peter. His name was Simon. Jesus nicknamed him Peter. Peter means rock. And now the rock had chickened out. And what we know is that Peter saw himself as the rock. And then when he chickens out and denies Jesus, what he thinks about himself, how he sees himself, doesn't match up with how he behaves, with how he Acts. His behaviors don't line up with how he sees himself, and this causes him to experience disruption and disorientation. Now, disruption and disorientation happen any time that the world stops working the way that we expect it to. And this is certainly true for now going on 19 months of the global pandemic, but it's also true in our marriages, in our schools, in our families, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, that when the world stops working the way we expect it to, it causes us to be disoriented and disrupted. The curveballs in our lives cause us to have a lack of certainty around who we are And what our lives are really about. The bottom line is this. When the world stops working the way we expect it to, it reveals the faithlessness in our lives. And when I say faithlessness, I just mean that when we stop expecting God's power to make a difference in our lives... When we stop expecting God's power to make a difference, faithlessness means that deep down, we believe that whatever hard thing we're going through, whatever curveball we're experiencing, will actually be more powerful than Jesus' ability to carry us through and to do something in our lives. You see, it's easy to follow Jesus when life is going well. It's easy to follow Jesus when life turns out how we expect. It's easy for our faith to look like it's strong and dialed in when everything goes our way. But just like Peter, we get exposed. Our faith gets exposed when there's a disconnect between what we expect out of our lives and what we end up getting. And I want to encourage us that let's not wait until everything settles down. Let's not wait until things are easier or life feels more stable to pursue what Jesus might be offering us in this moment. So let's pick back up in our story and see what Peter's life looks like as he tries to move beyond faithlessness. So uh, the passage I read a second ago in John 18 is before Jesus' death and resurrection. The passage we're about to read is after his death and resurrection. We're in John chapter 21. So in the meantime, Jesus has gone to the cross He's been buried and he's risen from the grave. This is about a week later. About a week later, John 21, verse three. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. Now, hold on a second. That's incredibly important because he was a fisherman before Jesus called him. And he's essentially saying that all I know to do is to return to my old life, pick back up. And they said, all the disciples will go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, They caught nothing. Professional fishermen caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered, he said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And they've got to be thinking, really, this guy on the shore, what does he possibly know? But when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Verse 7 Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord, it's Jesus. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. He couldn't even wait to get back to shore. He jumped in the water to swim, to run to Jesus. Let's pause right there. So this past weekend, last weekend, I had the privilege of going down to southwestern Utah with uh, some friends, and we did an amazing and wonderful uh, few hikes through Zion National Park. It was just beautiful, Um, but we did run and hike, and it was very strenuous. I did want you to see a video. Uh, This is my friend Mike. Mike's sitting right over here, and he's probably turned around to tell me to stop filming while we could fall off the side of a cliff. Um, but I wanted you to see just the beauty of what we got to experience and hike through. That's Ashley and I um, at a little break. And, but here's the thing, right? Uh, the hikes were incredibly long, incredibly difficult, lots of elevation change, and there were so many moments where it had gotten hard and it was easy to just sort of like grind it out, right? I'm just going to keep going, head down. We'll get through this. But... If I did that, I would miss the amazing and wonderful views. I would miss the conversation with some of my best friends here in Minneapolis, right? Like I would miss out on so much if i said, you know what, this is really hard. I'm just gonna get through it. When we're done 15 miles later, then I'll look back and enjoy it, right? But because I would miss what's actually happening as we're going through the moments if I just tried to grind out the hard thing that we are going through. And this is what happens in our faith. Sometimes we think, well, let's just get through this hard thing and then we'll see what Jesus has for us. But what if what Jesus has for you is in the midst of the hard thing you're going through? This is what Peter, this is what Peter learns. Peter has denied Jesus. He's out on a boat. He's sitting in the midst of his failure. He's embarrassed. He's grieving. And then Jesus shows up. Not once Peter's figured it all out. But Jesus shows up in the midst of it. And what does Peter do? He runs to Jesus. Author Susan howitt says, The power of his, of Jesus' love, is such that although you may consider yourself estranged from him, he could never consider himself estranged from you. He is always longing for the reconciliation, the moment when you turn back to him, fling wide your arms and vanish the demon, vanquish the demon of alienation. Right? Whatever disruption or uncertainty or faithlessness you're feeling is not as strong as how Jesus feels for you. It's not as strong. Jesus loves you even in the midst of whatever hard thing you're going through. And Peter realizes that the only path to restoration and reconciliation is with Jesus. And he jumps in the water and he runs to Jesus. Will you respond like Peter and run to Jesus? You see, we could try to run to all kinds of things to get our lives back on track. We could try to ease the pain through whatever addiction is our choice whether it's retail therapy or keeping busy or filling our calendars or a little too much to drink we end up numbing our addictions through all kinds or numbing our pain through all kinds of dependency i know that i'm i'm tempted sometimes to like bury myself in work And believe that if I work hard enough, if I achieve enough, that it will just get me through, get me past this hard thing. But what if the answer isn't in waiting it out? What if the answer isn't just waiting until the hard season is done or running to some temporary alternative? What if the answer is to run to Jesus and let him offer us something that we could never get on our own? What if the answer is to run to Jesus just like Peter did? And what if we ran to Jesus and we found that God takes our faithlessness in hard times and he holds us up by the faithfulness of Jesus so that we might experience the life he wants for us? Look, don't just wait it out. God isn't waiting to show you his faithfulness. God's not waiting. His faithfulness is available to you. This is the moment to seek Jesus, to be reoriented to him. Let's pick back up in our story in John chapter one, John chapter 21, verse 15, just a few verses later. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he says, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he sort of said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Stop there. Often in team sports... When a game is getting away from one team, when they're getting overwhelmed, the coach will call a timeout. He'll call a timeout to sort of hit pause, to put a stop in the action. And they do it so that the team can kind of step back and hit reset and to say, okay, here's here's who we are. Here's what we're trying to do. Here's what we're supposed to be about. They hit pause, right? And so Peter has denied Jesus three times. And in this text, what we see is that Jesus offers Peter a calling three times. And that's not incidental. That's on purpose. See, Jesus is helping Peter hit the pause button. He's helping him hit reset. He's reminding Peter, here's who you are. Here's what you're supposed to be about. Here's what you're supposed to be doing. Jesus restores Peter by giving him a calling. This threefold calling restores a threefold denial by Peter. And that calling that Jesus gives Peter reorients his life to something better. Let Jesus reorient you to who God is calling you to be. Because what Peter discovered and what we discover is that no faithlessness, no failure, no disruption, no uncertainty is greater than God's ability to restore you and reorient you to what he has for your life. That's what he discovers. No failure, disruption, or uncertainty is too big for Jesus to overcome. There's something that's possible with a life with Christ that is not possible on your own. And notice that Peter isn't called to go back. He doesn't go back to who he was before the denial. He's moving forward with Jesus. We've gone through something And that something may have been hard, but we're not going back because we're no longer the same. We've learned something through the disruption and disorientation. And we're called to move forward with Jesus on the other side of it. Not to stay there, but to move forward with Jesus. Seminary professor and president Craig Barnes said, No one in the Bible was ever asked by God to stay in the wilderness. That's reassuring, right? The point of entering it is only to discover communion with the God who alone can bring us out of it and into the right place for us to dwell. We are eventually called to leave our desert wanderings and enter into places where we will serve as priests to those around us, calling them to join us in building a righteous kingdom. That is the best home we could ever find. You see, Peter experienced the wilderness but the wilderness is not what he was meant for. The wilderness was preparing him to step into the calling that God had for his life. See, we experienced the disruption, but we weren't made for the disruption. But the disruption might be helping prepare us for the calling that God has on our lives. Peter went from being a failure to being a leader in the early church, not because Peter was special, but because he ran to Jesus and Jesus had something for his life that he could have never gotten to on his own. The backstory of Peter's story is simple. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave to redeem his life and he was a failure. That's the backstory of all of us. We fail. We're faithless. We experience disruption. And yet, Jesus died on the cross to redeem us, to bring us into new life, to give us a way forward beyond the wilderness, beyond the disruption. That's the background of our story. 2 Corinthians 4.7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay, fragile lives, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. The disruption, the disorientation, the faithlessness, it's okay. It shows that we are fragile, but he is not. It shows that we are not God. We need God to reorient us. We are only human, but we know and we follow a great God. And there's a reason in this passage that do you love me precedes the calling to feed my sheep because it all starts with Jesus. What we learn from Peter's story is when we're going through hard things, it's not just that Jesus wants you to have a better life. It's that Jesus wants you to see that he is better no matter what you're going through. God takes our faithlessness in hard times And he holds us up by the faithfulness of Jesus so that we might experience the life he has for us. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're experiencing, remind yourself over and over and over again, God is faithful even when I'm not. God is faithful even when I'm not. Let's not wait it out. Let's not just wait out the hard season because if we wait it out, we'll miss what Jesus wants to do even when life doesn't turn out how we planned. Because just because it's not how you planned doesn't mean it's not what God has planned for you. In the last few weeks, we've referenced an article by a group called Praxis that talks about how this season that we've the season of the pandemic we've been going through. It's not like a winter. It's not like a blizzard or a storm. It's like an ice age. It's an extended season that will have a long-lasting impact upon our own lives and upon the world we live in. And when we go through a season like this, we're not the same on the other side. But we have a choice. We have a choice to let God use this season to form us into the people he longs for us to be. And in that article, one of the things these Praxis Journal partners said was, as a bearer of God's image in a position of leadership, this season of crisis is a part of your story. It's a part of your story. It's what you've been called to and been training for, for years, if not decades. You've been prepared for this moment. Relish the opportunity every morning to use your gifts for the sake of others today. Is it hard? Yeah. Do we make mistakes? Yes. Do we feel overwhelmed? Yes. However, we are being called and equipped to use our gifts for the sake of others today. Not on the other side of this, today. I don't know about you, I can get caught up so much in this mentality of like today is a preparation for tomorrow that I never actually live in today. God is wanting us to catch a vision for who he's calling us to be in this moment, to live it out today. Today to use the blessings in our lives for the sake of others right where he has us. It won't be perfect. It won't be how we planned, but it will be with Jesus. In 1952, American experimental composer John Cage wrote a three-movement musical composition called 433. I want you to see the first movement of 433. In case you're wondering, it goes on like that for four minutes and 33 seconds. Uh, actually, the, the description uh, goes like this. The score instructs performers not to play their instruments during the entire duration of the piece throughout the three movements. Now, some believe that Cage was just trying to be avant-garde. He was just trying to be weird But he actually said that this was very purposeful, that he wanted people to realize that there will always be sound and that the moments that we're listening to all around us are an original composition that no one will ever hear again. The moments we're in right now will never happen again. Just like he would say, you'll never hear these five minutes again. You'll never live these moments again. Do not miss these moments. Do not miss the opportunity to live for Jesus today. Jesus did not redeem you just for 2019, He's not just redeeming you for 2020. He's redeeming you for right now. Don't miss a chance to follow Jesus, to live for Him, to be stretched in your faith, to love others with Jesus right where you are today. Don't miss the opportunity. Don't wait it out. Don't bury your head in the sand. God has something for you right now. I'm gonna call the band to come back up and to join us as we close our worship service. But one of the things I want you to know is the end of John chapter 21, after Jesus has given this call to Peter, the end of the passage has a very simple command. Jesus says to Peter, follow me, follow me. What greater words do Christ followers need in the midst of an ongoing season of uncertainty and disruption in our world? What would it look like for us as a people to say yes to Jesus as he says, follow me every single day, wherever we go, wherever we find ourselves. Let's say yes when Jesus says, follow me.